It's Cofield and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. All right, rolling on. Four o'clock hour. Reno's in Vegas. ESPN Reno, ESPN Vegas. Damon is here steering the ship. John Von Tobel is company today. It's Cofield. I'm going to call an audible. I'm not going to scream out Omaha, but I'm going to change up the uh, big four from our plans. Uh, I do want to get your reaction in the number three hole on Otani and what's going on now and, and moving forward. But uh, let's get to it. Big four four. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Four at four. Number four. And a reminder, 420, we'll get to some of the, it's not exactly breaking news, but it's kind of big news with a moribund franchise in the Cardinals. They released the guy that we all thought would be the fill-in for Kyler Murray, and it looks like they're pulling some shenanigans here. They're making it pretty obvious what they're doing. But baseball, because of the competitiveness of these playoff races, we kick off the 4 o'clock hour with, well, I wouldn't expect this to be the case, a team that most of the signals that were sent was, hey, you know what, we're done, or at least we're not going to add. We're going to move on from some guys like Paul Seawald, local, who went from the Mariners to the Diamondbacks. But, Damon, the M's are actually playing really good baseball, and this is also why I always push when you're near the dance floor. You can tweak and go for it. You don't have to bail, and the Mariners are good enough because their starting pitching is great that they're very much in the race. Yeah, since the trade deadline, the Mariners, they're 20-5. and <laughs> And that's one of those things where, like you said, at the deadline, oh, the Mariners, they're selling. They had the all-star game. Now they just you know laid a wet fart for the whole season. Now look at them. Isn't baseball amazing? Um, actually, uh, you guys are. This is news to me. I thought baseball season ended on Saturday. Uh, I, I was really surprised to hear that they were still playing. Um, no, look, this is what happens. This is why, to your point, I kind of dislike baseball because even at 130 games, you can seriously say hey, we don't really know that much yet. Like that's it's it's absolutely ridiculous. We played 130 games, and then now all of a sudden. Think about this, like Mariners, betters who had their win total over, looked like it was dead in the water. You're alive all of a sudden. The team you expected them to be is all of a sudden showing up and winning games left and right. The other team that was setting records and had the best batting average with runners in scoring positions since the 1930 Yankees, the Texas Rangers, are all of a sudden finding themselves in danger of maybe missing the playoffs entirely with like the third best run differential in baseball. It's insanity. It's absolutely insane. Also, should those players, real quick, the guys who got traded, is the team better because they traded you, or is the team just rally around like we'll show the front office? Might be a little rallying, but they also got healthier and their pitching has taken off. They have so much good young pitching, and I, I didn't think they were ever going to be terrible. They're a 500 team, and now they're 18 over 500, so they've gone on this run, and they're going to be a problem for people because this is sort of the maybe a year before they they thought they would arrive. I know last year they had a really good year, but with all these young pitchers, they're probably expecting next year to be the year. But, man, they're they're a really good team. And, uh, obviously, Julio Rodriguez, uh, if he improves from here, is going to be one of the superstars of all of baseball. I just want to say it's really great as an Angels fan to watch <laughs> teams consistently bottom out and then go back into playoff form while the Angels just muddle around at 10 games under five hundred. Number three. Well, let's talk Angels. What's going to happen now with Shohei? Dude, that sucks. The UCL tear. But he's still out there banging at the plate. He is. But I think that, I mean, there's an argument that's a nine-figure injury in terms of losing out on money. 
Because you think, you think it's worth $100 million on his overall contract? I think so. I mean, part of it was that you were going to get a guy who would hit every day and then pitch for you at the level of being what? A third starter, second starter? Yeah. You don't you don't agree? No, I've just never I, I think uh I think he's more valuable as a hitter. Uh and I also at this point, um I don't know what he does to if he gets the arm fixed and he's down for a while, or if it's some kind of stem cell fix, I think he should be a closer. Yeah. Now you could argue maybe that's more wear and tear, but just don't throw him three days in a row. But he probably should be a closer. Uh, you know, you see I'm not gonna make the point about college baseball, whatever. Um, you see guys double sometimes or closers. He should be a closer, but they have to do uh, he and he has to do absolutely everything he can to play 155 games plus as a hitter. And I think every year he's a candidate to hit 45 home runs, which I believe the power and the production at the plate, and hell, if he was a closer, that combination right there still makes him worth $500 million when you also add in all of the marketing you're going to make and capturing Japanese baseball. Yeah. He's still, I I, th- I think he's still worth it. Do we have the, do we have that David Sampson cut? See if you can find that. We had a David Sampson cut. You know, David Sampson is the former exec from the Marlins, and now he does stuff with Levitard. I think, uh, what is it, Nothing Personal is his podcast, and it was like all doom and gloom, and like, he better get it operated on. He's going to lose a lot of money. He's a top-notch power hitter in all of baseball. If Aaron Judge can get that that kind of deal, and Aaron Judge brings in what, the Fresno audience? I'm kidding. But if you bring in Japanese baseball fans, he's probably still worth $450 million. Well, sure. But my argument is before this, he was worth $550, $600 million. I don't think he's not getting like an Aaron Judge type deal. But I don't think there's any arguing that this does affect it. And, you know, look, you work some incentive-laden parts of it, like innings pitch, whatever it is, as you kind of move along. There's potential that they can do that. But it just, either way, to have this happen at this point sucks for him. And to, and then the weird story is I don't know if you saw Perimanassian, the GM for the Angels, come out and like over the weekend was just like, oh yeah, he refused. No, he, he didn't want an MRI. But, you know, we we asked, we asked though, because a lot of people were burying the Angels. Like, look, you you rode this guy into the ground. He tears his UCL again, and now all of a sudden, you know, he's injured going into his free agent year. It's like, no, we we offered, and he didn't want it. So it was yeah. a weird time on on the value of the deal. Um, I still think there's going to be six, eight, ten teams that may be involved. And there are a lot of people out there. I think I I put in the rundown, our buddy uh, Daniel McCartan in New York who works for WFAN was like, oh, now this kind of hurts the Mets because the Mets could have outbid they were never everyone. Uh, Seattle, Softy up there was like, oh, now it's discount time. I don't think there's a discount. Maybe a little bit, but I don't think it's going to drop a whole lot. We'll see. This will be settled in the offseason. And also what he decides to do with the elbow, you know, if he's going to get, like, full reconstruction if he even needs it. So have we seen details on how serious the injury is? No, I haven't seen anything. Uh, it, like, they, he's getting another opinion, I think, in terms of what to do with it. And to your point as well, you know, he, again, this is the second UCL injury. The first time he did it, he missed the first month of the following regular season and then was hitting the rest of the way. So he's still going to be able to hit and probably hit at a high level. Number two. Uh, UTEP played over the weekend. Now, the interest down here in Vegas is the fact that UNLV will be at UTEP. Uh, we'd heard a lot about UTEP being a pretty good team and a pretty dangerous team. And, hey, any road spot for a program like UNLV that hasn't had a lot of success on the road is going to be a real test. It's a pivotal game for the Rebels, who are sitting at 5.5-6 on the season win total. What did you see from UTEP over the weekend against Jack State? They lost the game. F. 22 first downs to 15 against Jacksonville State. 364 total yards, 275. Outgained him by nearly 100. Great performance. I don't know what Dimmel was smoking on the sidelines, though, with some of these decisions. For those who didn't watch the game, 
So they lose UTEP though, 17-14. Yes. They have a third. They're going down to potentially tie the game and or take the lead in the waning minutes. They have a third and one inside Jacksonville State territory. And the first play they call on third and one is like a shot to the end zone. So, okay, not the worst thing in the world if you're going to follow that shot to the end zone by an attempt on fourth and one to go for it, which they did. So they get that process right. But then you go, you you line up, you get to the line of scrimmage, and you see Gavin Hardison come up and check out of the play and then tries to throw like it looked like almost like a deep out route that was read beautifully and picked off despite the fact that he had a wide receiver sitting there beyond the first down marker. That was wild. It was it was insane to me. The play calling, the last two decisions there by UTEP, not going for it. They did it, they did the right thing by going for it. It was the play call on those two. So hey, I think Barry Odom's got a coaching itch when he takes on Dimmel in the minors. Number one. San Diego State opened this weekend. Ohio, tight spread. What did it close at? Was it three and a half? Or did it go down to two and a half? No, it was two and a half. So San Diego State favored. Uh, you said Mountain West Conference had a pretty good weekend, but I thought you said except for San Diego State. They won the game. They did not look great in doing it, I didn't think. They look like San Diego State. Of course they did. I think I even I posted it on X. Which, believe me, it's been good for like eight and a half wins. You know, over the last ten years, first season. So, I, like, that's not a dig on them. They they played San Diego State style football. The three three five jacked up the Ohio backup quarterback. They knocked out the starting quarterback. They got three interceptions. They ran the ball, and Jaden Maiden was able to throw a hundred mile an hour fastball right in the face of a referee, which I really enjoyed. How is it that San Diego State football and basketball are the same team? I know they're they, they're the same team. They just they they take you and they bring you down to their level yep. and then they just suffocate you in the mud and that's how they win every game both and basketball the, and football and at the end of the game you're like got a shot right we got a shot now last year SDSU was not good uh, down the stretch in a lot of close games in fact they they blew a couple of really bad ones uh, but for the most part and I've talked about it with both Brian Dutcher and uh, and also Brady Hoke you know name drop um, but just their ability to to win close games it's a confidence. Within the program, and no matter who they have there, they get it done, and they got it done in kind of a sloppy game. And I'll give you the other thing is, it's funny, uh, Jalen Armstead, one of the running backs, a veteran running back who really punished UNLV last year in closing out that game. They just couldn't get the ball back from him. He was not listed on the depth chart. No. He was not listed on the depth chart, and he went out and he rushed for 78 yards. Now, he had a fumbling issue in the preseason. He fumbled in the game, but uh, they rode him at times to a uh, a victory, a hard-fought victory, and an ugly victory, but to win – yeah, Just look, like always, it's a win. Trust me, I get that. But to your point, when you look at it statistically, to convert only 30% of your third downs, but you ran for well over four and a half yards per carry and you were plus two in the turnover column, and that gets you an ugly win against a backup quarterback on the road in a raucous environment. Uh, can we get to that, please? And then believe me, you guys up north, Reno, the attendance has not been great lately, and last year was a disaster, so it's hard to come out and, and root for a lousy football team, but you got a tradition there. Uh, but I've been up there for UNLV games many times now, and like they're kind of sellouts, but not. UNLV does not has not drawn you know more than you know mid twenties on average, and, and at Allegiant that looks kind of small. Mm-hmm. But San Diego State, they're they, they're crowing about what an elite football program they are, and that oh it's Pac twelve time or Big Twelve time. How do you get your fans to show up? They built a palace. No. It was freaking 83 at kickoff and 75 in the game. And I know it's sunny on the one side, but my God. 
Why don't people go to games down there? Nobody wants to go to Snapdragon Stadium. It's a nightmare. Last year, there were people passing out. They ran out of water. That was for game one. Nope, they don't want to go back. That was for game one. It was 100. They were doing news reports. It was was record heat. It was 102 degrees. Oh, God forbid it's 102 degrees. Well, 102 down there is a little bit different than here. And there is no shade there at all. There's nowhere to hide. Um, But yesterday, it was a beautiful day and against a good MAC team. And... I don't know. Do I have the number? What's the reported number? Was it almost 17 or something? I thought it was like 23. 23,000. Oh, they said 23. And then the, the oh, writer. The turnstile attendance. Yeah, the yeah, turnstile yeah. attendance was 16,831. I thought there was like 15 there, and I'm very accurate on this, by the way. Yeah. Very accurate. They got a problem there. Because they have a season ticket base of 10,900, which is, you know, not bad. It's not, you know, it's not power five level. But I don't. We, I, you know what, I'm, I, I don't want to say it because I, I don't like to bash on the Pacific time zone at all and the mountain time zone at all because the, uh, the Southerners in college football and the Midwest folks and, you know, whatever, Texas and all that and upper Midwest, they all hammer us out here. We really don't show up to games as consistently as we should How in a lot of places. How much of it is the elitism of the, oh, we, it's Ohio. We don't have to show up to play Ohio. It's a game that we're going to win. No problem. The writer Kirk Kenny said sales were no doubt impacted by the recent events with conference realignment. When SDSU, the fans believe they were going somewhere and then what, this is their protest? Like, grow up. You still have a real good football program. It's a good team you're playing. Again, I, I don't want to bash on fans. I know it costs money to go to these games. You know, we don't have to pay to go, so I don't know if we're the sources to be wagging our finger, but I like doing it at the San Diego State. We got a little breaking news, and we're going to get into this more tomorrow with Shannon Kelly who uh, helps us out with uh, pack football coverage and Alex Margulies. But uh, Shannon's going to join us tomorrow. She tweeted out today. This is today, yeah, August 28, 2023. Um, Nevada football team has moved former NFL star Virgil Green from director of player personnel to tight ends coach. It's, it's August 28th. They open against USC this weekend. Moved uh, Derek Sage to QB coach. Because Nate Costa, the QB coach, resigned six days ago. Nice. Well, it's not nice. Uh, Carson Strong has now joined the PAC staff as a volunteer assistant. So we got to find out what's going on there. Ooh. Well, but the blast from the past. The, the, the upheaval the week of the opener is a little bit weird. Oh, of course it is. But aren't like, all right, who wants to live up there? It's probably why oh, all these God. people are leaving. God. All right, Reno, here's another one. Oh, are we on in Reno? My bad. John Von Tobel. I like the city. I don't know what you guys – we've had weird – well, it's a rivalry that affects you, too. You're a Vegas guy. Um, Coming up in like 10 minutes, I want to get to what Skip Bayless rolled out this morning. It was like an all-star crew of former NFL players, who I think are all really good. Adam Hill and I went round and round for like five minutes on Friday. Did you get what he was saying? Like he was – he was annihilating Skip and like and and Shannon Sharp and I, I don't I don't really love Skip but I think he plays a good foil and he does have a gift of setting people off which makes for good TV and he was just like Skip sucks and Shannon's like not good I'm like I, I guess I don't know I mean or is that a newspaper I, I think Adam's very good on radio but is that a newspaper person's arrogance when it comes to watching people on TV I'm like they're good at what they do. Oh. 
if John, I mean, you talked about it two weeks ago. If you could act like a, I'm not going to say a clown, but if you could act like Mad Dog Russo and just scream and yell and get paid, yeah, you, I'd do it. But here's the thing: you can't. I mean, don't, don't, don't test me, Steve. Every day. I could do every, whatever I want. Every day. As a media personality. Every day you could do it. Every day. And it wouldn't sound stupid. No. Okay. I don't believe you. Pick and choose my spots. I don't, I don't believe you. With the grace and aplomb that my, my mad dog did. Wait, what? Um, aplomb? Yes. Aplomb? It's close. Um, the, actually, that, that was actually a really good impression because that's how we would say it. Exactly. <laughs> the, the, the aplomb. And don't, don't get me started on the arrogance of paper Writers, all right. Excuse these me? newspaper folks, all oh, these people, they oh, they think they can just yelling. show up and do whatever they want. You never talked in front of a microphone like I have. The problem is when you yell, you're losing a grasp on the English language. Yeah, <laughs> so you have to. Kind of, but that is Mad Dog. Yeah. That you're like, what is he saying? He's just right. yelling. That's right. All right, that's coming up in about 12 minutes because uh, there were some good highlights of. I think Dick Sherman set off Michael Irvin. I think think that's what happened. So we'll have that. That's shocking. So interesting headline in the NFL. Cardinals to keep Kyler Murray on pup. So I think that makes him eligible after four weeks, which I figured was a timeline, if not the second half of the season. And we had mentioned this on Friday about the Cardinals win total because Johnny Gannon, the coach, and management there is in a really weird position because they can control the top of the draft if the Texans suck. Mm -hmm. And if they get the number one pick, they could – possibly have you know two top five picks if not one or two um and the dream would be right now these ratings change but you know ooh, caleb williams and marvin harrison jr wouldn't that be awesome okay well that means you have to get rid of kyler murray but to get rid of kyler murray you have to play kyler murray which means you might win games it's a weird position to be in mm-hmm. you can't sit him for the whole season because then what it's a I don't know what happens at that point. It's a salary dump. How the hell do you get that deal done if Kyler Murray's value appears to be way down because he hasn't played? I mean, you sell him for pennies on the dollar. You know what I mean? You just trade him off and see what you're going to get. I think, there's a mar- I think there's a market out there, but it's to be seen. Am I crazy on they have to play Kyler Murray to kind of you know Im- improve or rebound his image a little bit and make sure that everyone sees he's recovered from the ACL the guy can play and he is worth 40 million dollars a year i mean not necessarily only in that you've what you just referenced cuz what if he comes back and he's not fully healthy he pulls a Deshaun and, Watson and, like and then Deshaun you, looked very rusty last year correct and then you really drive down what was already something that how much value lower, was how, how much lower can it go i mean his attitude in the torn ACL and a giant contract i mean I figure he can only go up from here. Is he going to be just absolutely awful? I mean, at this point, he's not like – I mean, what would you say he's probably worth right now? I don't know. I'm not a GM, fifth, around fourth. I don't know. What I mean, I think like, if he plays well, then I, I would give up something pretty significant if I'm sure. one of those teams in the the middle of a conference where I have no shot at getting a franchise quarterback and this guy gives me a shot. But it's also – you mentioned the biggest thing, which is the contract. That's always going to weigh down his value anyway. So I, I think he can, risk. I think he can play his way back into the contract, but I'm – well, I'm, I'm pretty sure what the Cardinals are doing right now is, at least while Kyler's out, they're going to minimize chances of winning games, which I wonder what the message is to, to the team. Anyway, the headline is Cardinals to keep Kyler Murray on pup list. Cut Colt McCoy. Wait. And then the starter, it appears to be Josh Dobbs, who they traded for last week, Let's or oh. Clayton Toon. What? I'm not, that's making it pretty obvious what you're doing, at least while Kyler Murray is out. What? 
giving the young buck a shot. <laughs> no, no. We tied. This isn't the first team. Josh, no, don't you sell Josh Dobbs short? I remember Josh Dobbs going out there and and starting a game in like what, like six weeks' notice last year, doing pretty well for the Tennessee Titans. That's right. I think you're overreacting to this. No, I'm not. You know, I'm not. I think this is brilliant. I'm down with this. What if what is in, in all seriousness? We've watched a lot of Colt McCoy. What are you really getting out of Colt McCoy? What is the difference? We'll, we'll do what Adam always does, right? Point spread wise. What's the difference between Colt McCoy and Josh and Josh Dobbs? I don't know. You have to ask a sportsbook person. I'd like to Nothing. run it by him. You don't even think it's like a point, two points? No. Maybe a point. Only because he hasn't been there. Like seriously, yeah. if if and in real reality, which is why I don't I don't understand what the Buccaneers did in that. Why wouldn't you just start Kyle Trask and do what the Texans did last season? They gave the season to Davis Mills. Like, Cause hey, because their coach is going to get fired if they win five games, and they're not giving their coach a guaranteed contract. Where it's like, mm-hmm. hey, participate in the tank. So why not roll out Clayton Toon and just be like, let's see what we got with this kid. And you know what? If he pans out, you talk about increasing value. What if all of a sudden Clayton Toon looks somewhat solid, and at the end of the year, you flip him for something, and you're sitting there with a nice asset in terms of the first overall pick and then whatever else you have, and Kyler Murray. I love it. I'm in. I don't think this is going to work out the way the Cardinals want it to. They're trying. They're trying. But I don't think it's going to work out the way they want it to because the Texans may be better than people think, and the Cardinals may win too many games to be in the number one hole or number two to get Caleb Williams. Maybe they're in the running to get Drake May. Wouldn't that be hilarious, though, if they go through all of this and are not in a position to get one of the top two quarterbacks? I mean, like what, they're going to rip off like seven wins? And they don't want Kyler Murray. I'm all, I also have no idea what this Jonathan Gannon guy is. I listened to an interview last week from one of the Cardinals insiders, and he was raving about the whole team is bought in. They love Jonathan Gannon. Love it. The attitude's different. He was saying guys were showing up to meetings whenever they wanted to in previous years. They love Jonathan Gannon. What does this do? Like, seriously, how do you how do you stand in front of your team and you're like, yeah, we just got our, our veteran quarterback and we can actually play a little bit, and Colt McCoy, you're dissing him. Mm-hmm. But how do you stand up in front of the veteran players and say, you stick with us. Good times are coming. I mean, but I, in, in reality, if you're in that locker room, do you honestly think Colt McCoy is a massive difference? I think Colt McCoy could keep you afloat, and then if you get Kyler Murray back for game six, seven, or eight, why then you got a shot. Why can't Josh Dobbs? I don't think they can. I think Josh Dobbs stinks, so, but you, and I don't trust Clayton. They got him a week ago! I, but I, I get that. That's the so other you, thing. They got okay. him a week they ago. They got him a week ago. You get two weeks to get up to speed, but you guys yeah. are at, I didn't realize that Colt McCoy was the second coming of John Elway. I think Colt McCoy, I'll, I'll tell you what, there are some... Go look at the uh, the rosters, the depth charts for some of the teams that are pretty good and see what they have at backup quarterback. Someone needs to scoop up Colt McCoy. I still think he can play a little bit. Where is this coming from? Because I think he's a pretty you decent You numbers, backup. guys. This is the problem no, with the numbers, I think he's a pretty guys. decent quarterback. The, the, problem with the, numbers, the problem with the throwing in your face, the production hasn't really been that good. Where is this defensive Colt McCoy coming from? He's one of those players. He's, he's one of those guys. He's one of those guys. You know it when you see it. One and two last year as a starter. But, you know, that impact in the locker room, you can't measure that. Clayton <laughs> well, I Toon. I wasn't going there. I'm, that's what I'm saying. A legend, 36 year, years young. Still got it. 
Colt McCoy with his Colt McCoy haters. Ca- career turnover-worthy play rate of over 4%. It's just going to put the ball in danger every yep. single second. Gunslinger. But guys in the locker room are just like, ah! We had a shot with Colt. Who's the Colangelo family for the NFL? Because he needs to be brought in next season, so this current GM can't reap the benefits of getting Caleb Williams. Listen, I have no idea what's going on in the locker room. So maybe they, maybe there's a bunch of guys there who are like, yeah, we're buying into Clayton Toon. They can't say we're buying into Josh Dobbs. He hasn't been there. If John, you know, you know, locker rooms are delicate places, and well, when they I see a guy that. like uh, McCoy, who's expected to be the starter, cut right before the season, there is a mental effect to that. But like, it, but in all seriousness, and, you, and, you, and the thing is, we we do. You know, you're in a way, you're right about the numbers, people. Like emotion is never taken into it because one, you're a super analytical guy. I mentioned in the mornings we have a, you know, we very much have a numbers guy in Bischoff, but I, like, I don't think the human element is taken in enough. Yeah, but I. But I am taking that in. Like, if you're realistically bringing your lunch pail to work as an Arizona Cardinal this season, getting ready for the year, you're honestly looking at Colt McCoy and being like, "We got a shot." And if he's not here, I can't be here mentally. Like, no, I don't. I yes, don't, yes. Why? What has he done that would make you put that belief in he's him? He's played in the league. He's a veteran player, as opposed to Clayton Tune and freaking Josh Dobbs. But, but again, see, we're just talking in circles. Because, again, I go back to where is this gap between Colt McCoy and Josh Dobbs? Where did we'll it come see. from? I, th- I think Dobbs is, just, is like, awful, what? and I'm sorry. I'm not trusting freaking rookie Clayton Toon. Seems like a nice kid. Had some good moments at Houston, but I don't want him leading my freaking team. And today, Colt McCoy, last week it was Stephen A., Shannon, and Skip getting blasted by Adam Hill. Haters on the show as we move past the halfway point. Ron and Reno, it's Vegas. You're not going to admit? Uh, I still think Colt McCoy You're can not capture magic. Admit what just yeah. happened yeah. in the break? I was looking at the numbers. I'm like, man, he really hasn't played in a long time. <laughs> and he's ancient. Uh, he's going to turn 37 in September. Okay. So I get, I get what they're doing. I get what they're doing. I, uh, I just, I wonder, if, you know, the veteran players if they're like, oh no, we don't know this Clayton tune. So now what's going to happen? They, they're, I'm sure when they think about it, for a few hours, they're like, okay, we are part of a team that is tanking. <laughs> and that's just. just and it'll, but, but to my point, it'll be interesting when Kyler Murray comes back, how much they play him, if they need to play him, or they can just sit him, and then they can move him if they get a top pick. So uh, we were just discussing on this show and then last week about some of the, the TV talking head shows that uh, most of the media, the, the, the rest of the media hates, you know, Skip and whoever and Stephen A and whoever. I think they put out some good stuff. And so this morning on Skip's show, he's been gone for a couple months, and they promised all these big guests. They had Michael Irvin, Richard Sherman, and uh, who else was there? Michael Irvin, Richard Sherman, and Keyshawn. Oh, and yep. Keyshawn was there. Such a tiny table. Richard Sherman, yeah. I mean, there's big guys at this tiny table, and, and Skip is just swallowed up. But I guess uh, Michael Irvin got insulted by Richard Sherman. Yeah, trying to tell him how to catch the ball. I said, listen, man, with all these people around you, learn to catch this ball in your body. Right. So so in your hands, you tighten up, ball goes through you. Or you tighten up, ball That's hits the ground. That's the worst advice so, I've so, ever so, heard so, for so a receiver. Now. Don't catch it with your hands. Catch it with your body. How you going to tell me that's the worst advice? I'm probably only one of the best to ever do it at playing that what game. What I'm saying I, is, you're, you're, I don't know how you, you can tell me catch it with your body and not your hands. It led to championships on every level. What I'm talking about doing, I want championships on every level doing. That's awesome. How can you hate that? I mean, Michael, I'm telling you, it's just like Shannon. When Shannon got worked up on that show, it was real. And Skip is a pain in the you know what's and could needle him. And in that case, you got one NFL player going off on another. That like Michael Irvin's not acting. He's a lunatic. Every level. 
Right? I, I, my only that is great. That, that, that Richard Sherman's like, you know, you're teaching CeeDee Lamb how to catch the ball wrong. And Michael Irvin's like, I'm Michael Irvin! I mean, what are you talking about? In the post show meeting, the, the only thing I'm going is like, guys, just don't talk over each other as much. That was brilliant. Like, Michael, like, let him say his piece and then scream at him afterwards. It was awesome. What Playmaker is saying, though, <sighs> Thank you. is that when you have people around you, your not body one TV, tends up. You naturally tense up. That's so therefore, thing. protect yourself Thank you, yeah. to be able to catch the football. Come on. on top of that, when you talk you about deep, 12 y'all games, don't even catch. When you talk about I let 12 the decade games, interceptions. <laughs> <laughs> You're a DB. Y'all don't even catch. That's awesome. I just love the, the, look, what, did, what did he say? Let the NFL in interceptions. Yep. I mean, that right there, to me, if they're allowed – to freaking go ballistic on Skip, there'll be some really good moments on that show. I mean, yeah, I, like I said, I think, I don't know if you need all three. Maybe you just need two at a time, whatever it's going to be. Oh, it's not going to be all three. Yeah. I will tell you that I don't think Michael Irvin can control when he gets like that. Richard Sherman, if you heard in the background, there is a skill when you get into arguments to stay at the same level because it infuriates the person who's screaming. Mm-hmm. And I stayed at the same level <laughs> eight minutes ago on Colt McCoy, and you yeah. just started screaming. I won. I had crappy facts behind me, but I won. I think you I won. lost control. I think I won that. You one. lost control. You did. Much like you did. Much like Michael Irvin won there. And too. by the way, that was not set up. That was not a bit. There wasn't. You're gonna. You're gonna take uh, Clayton Tune, and I'm taking Colt McCoy. I mean, there's yeah. lots of bets, but yeah. That, well, no, 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 I'll no. leave that one. I don't need to. Well, I need to see where Colt McCoy lands. He's not landing anywhere. Oh, if he lands somewhere and it's the right spot, I'll take that bet. I will. I might have a bet for you. But it's got passing I wanna, yards this year. Or oh, oh yes, depends on where he lands. <laughs> Come on. I get an off-injured quarterback in front of uh, number two quarterback Colt McCoy. I could be getting. Uh, I could be uh, making a Colt McCoy bet this year. Look at you. You're like, nope. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to keep my level. It's not gonna happen, <laughs> Steve. <laughs> that was easy bait for you to just lose it on me. Tom Montobles here. It's Cofield, ESPN Reno, ESPN Las Vegas. This uh, hour is brought to you by our friends at Battleborn Injury Lawyers, Justin and Matt, Justin Watkins, Matt Hoffman, and the rest of the team at Battleborn Injury Lawyers. You need advice, give them a call. You got a case, you got a situation, give them a call. You can dial from anywhere in the state of Nevada, 766-1400. It's 775 in the north. Yeah, we were just kind of raving about the screaming and yelling, the possibilities with uh, Skip on Fox with – some of the new guys they've added, and these guys all have media experience. And Keyshawn, who was doing our morning show, our national morning show, he's with Fox now. Michael Irvin, who's been everywhere, he's awesome. The, you know, just lunatic energy. And Richard Sherman, who got you know a taste the last couple of years doing what, Amazon? Mm-hmm. So I think there's a lot of potential there. Uh, during the break, we were just talking about Colin Cowherd and some of the gaffes he's made recently. Colin's one of my favorite hosts. I like listening to him. I like the way the show is is organized. Uh, you were telling me that in addition to his error uh, a few weeks back with that Dwayne Haskins mention about quarterbacks who couldn't win a Super Bowl, he's deceased. That one, and then he got blown up. What was the one last week they got blown up for? So there were two. Um, one of them was oh. he said that Geno couldn't win the AFC, Geno Smith. Geno Smith couldn't win, couldn't, couldn't hoist the AFC trophy. Again, technically which, true. Which, <laughs> explain, explain when you 
Because I liked your explanation of this. Colin grew up in Seattle when yep. they were an AFC team. A simple slip of, slip of the mind there of how he could have easily confused the NFC with the AFC. And the counter that. to that would be, guys, they've been in the NFC for like 18, 19, 20 years. But I have done the same thing. I have, we've talked about Seattle, and I've mentioned, oh, the rivalry with the Raiders. Like, as if it's current day. Like, they're not in the same division or the conference anymore. We get old. Some of us forget. Old habits die hard. Of course. Give us a freaking break. Now, I will tell you, when I was DeMond's age, I listened to guys, and I was like, idiot. But same thing with names. I guess, what did, what did Colin screw up? He called Dan Gilbert Dan Snyder. And some... Of course, the back after this con- Twitter con- Content creator was like, ah! Okay. Listen to the show and how many freaking times I make a mistake on a name. Happens on the Give me names I gotta remember! Give me a break! By the way, for anybody out there who would criticize him for that... Congrats on being able to memorize names. Can you host a three-hour show by yourself? Yes, yes, everyone can. At least you get all the names right, though. Yeah. That's not exactly. These are not sports quiz moments. Colin's a Vegas guy. we got to stick up for him. Do you even like sports anymore? Uh, one of the stories you sent me was about Kitchen Islands. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Love sports. It's one of my things. I know you do. But you're a well-rounded guy, John Von Tobel. So what happened? Uh, not, not that way. Not physically. Uh did we get a, a peek into Drake's house? Apparently. And all I saw was that he's got a massive kitchen island. Okay, I'm fascinated by this. Like, how big is the island? I, I, it was just an Instagram post. I would I'd venture a guess and say at is, least 20 feet Is wide. it as big as the studio? Oh, it's yes. I would say yes. Absolutely. Absolutely <laughs> yes. And I, I, I want one. I want a massive kitchen island. Uh, on Yahoo Life, Homes and Garden, Drake's Kitchen Island is one of the biggest we've ever seen. Yep. Designers predict this will trend in 2024. Giant kitchen islands? I mean, I guess it'll trend as much as, you know, right. us commoners can afford I was gonna a say, giant kitchen island. For everyone who's got a 40 by 40 kitchen. Yes. I, and so I watched that. Which and is I none of us it, in this room. And I was like, man, I want a big kitchen island when I get my house. I want to be able to prep stuff there, make lunches. I want my sink to occupy a ridiculously small portion of that kitchen island to make it look ridiculous. I hate you so much. It's good looking, right? I hate you so much. Because now I'm looking at it and I'm, what are we talking about beyond this? I'm done for the day. Look at this island. We got to send out a picture of this. It's awesome. It's got a a tabletop bar Mm -hmm. that looks like it has six six seats, like big cushy chairs. Yeah, that thing's got to be at least 20 feet long. Yep. I mean, look at the hood. Two sinks. Look at, look at that hood. It's got two sinks on the island? Yep. Look at that hood. What is that, a triple stove or a triple uh, oven? Here's the real question. Where are all the cabinets? Not enough cabinet space. I how, need more cabinet space. How much of this does Drake actually use himself outside of just, like, walking in and throwing his keys on the counter? How much would you cook if you were worth, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars? Would you still do it? Oh, I would do it a lot. If, I mean, if you, if you're, if you have a chef who is awesome. Why would you bother? But here's the difference, though, right? I view cooking as like a hobby, so I like to do it. So you're asking the wrong guy. Yeah. I would like to do more of it because, dude, I've been watching more videos for some reason. Saffron's been popping up in my like my TikTok algorithm. <laughs> I'm like, how people use it. Saffron. And I'm like, dude, I got to do this. I like, got to make point, something with yeah, saffron. Exactly. Isn't it expensive? Yes. And it's also ridiculous because I thought they like they take some wispy strands. I'm like, what is that supposed to do? And then, of course, they make it into something magnificent. And I was like, wow, I got to do this. But, yes, it is expensive. So you're asking the wrong guy because I, if I was rich, yeah. when I win, when I win one of these contests, you know, Circus Survivor, $6 million, when I win it all to myself, um, I'm going to ride off into the sunset and become a cook. 
I would have a much better slicer. Much better meat slicer. We got someone made us some bread. Are you one of the bread guys on the show? In that we idea? know Michael Felder is our college football insider. Or make it. Yeah, a baker nah, of sorts. Not really. Like Jared is on the staff. He loves making bread. Oh, okay. Nah. But uh, yeah, one of the SO's friends made us a big loaf of sourdough bread. And I'm like, how the hell do I cut this thing? Put it right in the slicer. Well, it's not, you're not supposed to do that. A little thin. Yeah, it, just, it's, a, it's a junky slicer, yeah. I have to admit. It was like 60 bucks. I'm not much the of a The real slicers are north of $1,000. I'm not much of a baker. I know that sourdough, the process of making sourdough, it seems ridiculously it, it looks complicated. It yes. looks fascinating, though. There's like cast iron like things that you have to like put on and then take it out. Then you there's like designs and slices, and then you put it back in. It's also the worst bread. It's the other part about it. What were you getting on me about last week about getting old? Well, because you didn't realize that there was a simple edit button for your posts on X. Oh, I couldn't figure and out you how to swore edit up it. and down well, just like my dad does all the time. You know wasn't what? there, I swear. Okay. I'm gonna throw you a new ch- I'm gonna throw you a new challenge. On the phone, the edit button's not there. Now maybe I need to update Zeet, Twitter, whatever it is. I don't see an edit button there, but I, you're right. If I if I go on a desktop or a laptop, probably a It's literally tablet. the second it's literally the second choice. Oh, well, you're right. But mine doesn't. Look, I'll, show, I'll show it to you during the break. We're gonna do this every show. There's some fix. I'm telling you, it's not. There. Watch if if that one's there and I missed it, it's not there. But I'm also afraid to download uh, to uh, uninstall and reinstall it. What I have a feeling. Do I like have, the way it works right now. You are you are old, but you're yeah. not like super old. Like uh, hopefully my mom's not listening, so I'm calling her old. Yeah. But like the one thing that drives me nuts with my mom is, do you have a million apps open on your phone in the background? Yeah. You never close them. Um, and then question why your phone is running so slow. Well, I closed them, but I have a feeling a lot of them are still open. Like, do you go and like do this and swipe up and close the app? Well, on on this particular Android, this is really good. We've done multiple topics here that you need. I'm just to I'm just trying to help on you on the out. bottom here. You can do this and close uh, all. Uh, okay, but I don't right, know right. that it really closes all of them. All right. I'm very suspicious My of these phones. Like I think they're always 60, listening. 60 apps open. Oh, really? And then she's like, it's like, you know. And then she's wondering, I have to purge well, it. Just sit there. How old your mom? Older than me? Yes. Okay. You're going to laugh at me. So we were at a Duran Duran concert, right? We gave away tickets for it last week, and it was over at T-Mobile. Right, and you look around, and the crowd is like, first of all, I I always scan the crowd, and I'm like, everyone's older than me. Everyone's older. They were big in like 82. I wasn't that old in 82. Um, but the audience ranged from like 65 down to like late 40s. And I swear I blurted it out. I'm like, this crowd is cooler than the same age group would have been 20 years ago. We're cooler now as 50-somethings than 50-somethings were 20 years ago. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. But then the next generation will be cooler than us. We still have some coolness to us. Yeah. That's ridiculous. So I have no idea. Everyone there. Always- there were train wrecks sitting around me. I mean, there's train wrecks in every generation, Steve. There are. I've no, I know a couple of them in my generation. Do the math. The mom's doing the math. Yeah, I'm thinking th- those 50-year-olds, what, 20 years ago? Yeah. But they would have been like the hippie kids, right? Like, man, no. Vietnam. No, 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 no. Oh, they, did they grow up as hippie yeah, kids? Yeah, yeah. Well, you would never know now. That's how I always wonder about that. I'm like, you guys grew up in a generation of, like, free love and drugs and... What happened to you? <laughs> we're going to stay cool. I'm sure you are. No, we're not. The first step to coolness is declaring that you're cool. That you're cool, yeah. 
It's always what you know. It's very sad. Uh, but Adam Did anybody Hill, call you a young man at the Duran Duran concert? I oh, God, I was so praying for it. I was so praying for it. Excuse me, young man. What are you doing here? Seems a little past your age range. <laughs> Not quite. As soon as I walk up with the white beard for the uh, the middle of the goat, whatever this is, that throws it off. So, But it was a good show, by the way. Very good show. Is Duran Duran still whole? Is it still all the uh, original members? One, the, one, the one guy is very sick oh, and okay. and going to die. So, not right. to bring you down, but Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, you couldn't make it. But everyone else is still there, and they're all like, uh, they're 62 to 65 years old. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you something else. You tell me if I'm a nerd, okay? I really appreciated the work of the people doing the lights, the effects, and the sound effects. Is that nerdy? No, I don't think so. I mean, it's a big part of uh, Taylor Swift's Eras Tour. So. Is it? Yeah. So they I think that is completely underappreciated, especially with older artists. Like, you... They need help with their voices now. Otherwise, it can be really bad. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. Probably can't go too long, huh? Uh, I've watched a couple who they just broke down at the end of the concert where they were like, <laughs> we, I can't do it anymore. Like, they just can't hit the high notes. But with uh, Simon LeBond, he, he's very, he can be very high, at, not on drugs, but like high. And whatever they were doing with his voice, I was like, God dang, that's good. So in the middle of Girls on Film, he wasn't, you know. No, no. His voice wasn't getting totally How'd trashed. you know that song, John? Did you look it up? <laughs> I'm a big ordinary world guy, actually. Uh, Thought that when that came out in 1993, it really spoke to me. That was good. That was good. Uh, They actually did. uh, They did White Lines by Grandmaster Flash, which was awesome. Their version was really good. Is that about cocaine? Oh yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. (laughs) Hungry like a wolf. I know that one. Yeah. They 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 were. uh, I don't know. You know, top top five or seven band in the 80s. It's the only one iconic. And then Adam Hill on Friday is like, like they these guys used to do freaking stadium shows. Really? Yes, they were massive. I only know one song. Yeah, Hungry Like a Wolf. You know more. Is it, heard, so it's heard, probably one of those where I've heard it, but I just yeah. could not identify it. You've heard, you've heard a bunch. Okay. Um, that was all our time to hungry look ahead at week one college football. Lines. I don't now, even know if they hungry like Have you bet anything for college football as we're doing our eye on sports gambling and eye on music, 80s music? We talked about Florida and Utah last week. It got down to four, four and a half. Mm-hmm. Utah and speculation that their quarterback Cam Rising was out. It's all the way back up to six and a half now. The game uh, is on uh, 831, 831, not 9-2. So it's coming up in just a couple of days. I actually think – so here's the thing. Well, Thursday Night Football. For that one, um, if Cameron Rising does not play and that drops to like three, I'm in. I'm going to play Utah because I don't think there's – Cameron Rising, for those who don't know, the number opened up this one at 10.5. There's a lot of people I respect that thought this number was going to be over 10.5 if they could guarantee that Cameron Rising was going to be fully healthy. So I don't think he's really worth this much. But the interesting part about this game is the total because the total didn't really correct itself. The low point is 45 and a half and while the number snapped back two points, you know, the side to six and a half, total still hasn't budged. So it might be worth looking to play that thing over at 45 and a half or if it gets any lower. Is Oklahoma going to be awesome this year? Because that was not a good first year for Brent Venables who I was a little worried about as a head coach. Some guys are just awesome coordinators. It's 35 and a half against Arkansas State. I mean, I guess the argument is if you're going to if you're going to be a team that maybe struggles to beat their opponents, you're going to take every opportunity you can to run it up against somebody you think is inferior. So maybe they're going to do that. All right. But I, I have my own questions about Venables and Oklahoma and what that's going to look like. We'll have uh, leans and likes throughout the week. Brad Powers will be on with us later in the week to get you ready for week one betting slate around college football. Five o'clock hour is on the way.